I mean, the way I see the landscape right now, God is the one displaced, and the church is the one uh, that's deciding whether to let him in or not. <laughs> wow. Like, God, that is such a liturgist answer. I'm like mind blown, and I, and I need like just a touch more to hang my hat on. <laughs> well, those wonderful people that you hear laughing are the married couple collectively known as Gunger, individually known as Lisa and Michael. They are a band. They are podcasters, parents, friends, and they are our guests this week on The New Activist my name is Eddie Koffeltz, and it is a joy to be here with you this week. Lisa and Michael are actually going to continue a conversation that we started on our first episode of the season. If you remember, we had Jenny Yang on. If you didn't hear that, you can go back and listen to it. But Jenny kind of broadened our horizons, or at least my horizons, about what is happening around the world with refugees. And Lisa and Michael care deeply about that and are using their art and their voice to speak into that conversation, to move people along, to move people to action, to move people to think and to be more compassionate. To that end, they have recently released a song and video that talks a bit about their heart for refugees and the life of refugees. We're going to hear some of that in a moment. And then after they're done with that, we're going to hear them talk about why they wrote it and why it's important to them. Here is a verse and chorus off their new song, Who We Are. All the world watches as the people run From the fiercest storm to the fierce unknown Will we watch and wait Turn and close our door Or will we be Who we've always said we are closely with uh, refugees and one that recently went to um, Iraq and one that, I mean, I, I feel very lucky that we have several friends who are, who know a lot more uh, solid facts than we do about it. And um, so a conversation with some of them is what spurred on the writing of this song. And, um, but then al along with the massive amount of footage that we've all seen, right? Um, right. So, I mean, 4.8 million people have sought uh, saw refugee in other countries since 2011, and then it's predicted that 8.7 million Syri uh, Syrians are will be displaced in 2016. So, like those numbers are are crazy. I can't even wrap my mind around those numbers. So, well, I think there's like, 65 or 65 million refugees in the world right now. It's a it's a crisis. It's out, it's outrageous, and I think it's easy. We see these numbers, and they're so big and and daunting. And then we see 
a video, like the little boy's body being washed up on the shore and it, it wrecks us. It suddenly becomes a very personal, it humanizes this very big number, right? Yes. I, I was aware when I was listening to the song, you were writing this for a reason and it came out of I would it would appear an overflow of a thing that was in your heart that just had to be expressed and probably will ex be expressed multiple ways but one was through your your artistic creativity. I'm wondering if it's imperative for artists to make statements or is it okay for someone to move to Nashville and write <laughs> love songs? <laughs> I, I mean I think it totally depends on the artist. Yeah, it's okay for someone to move to Nashville write love songs. I think uh, we never wanted to do that. Uh, I, th I think for us, we've always felt that it is imperative to make a statement in our... I mean, our art should be provocative. I think in many ways it has been. It's too much about love songs, in my opinion. I mean, it's... Mm. it's there's, there's just so much of it, and I'm looking for stuff from my just music for my kids to listen to. And I think like, what am I teaching her? So much of it is about this relationship that went well or didn't go well. And it's all about, I, I don't know. I just, I, I get, I get sick of it. But, and there's shallow. some love songs I really love. It's, it is definitely shallow. Yeah. We get so many comments of people saying, can you keep your politics and your opinions out of your music? And I'm thinking, what are you talking <laughs> about? This is what art was born out of. The way, I, the way I see it, art-wise, all of it has a place. And it's easy to, to, you know, have my, we all have opinions on what kind of art we like and what's, what's important to us and what we want to see more of in the world. And I, I do think that in my own bias and subjective point of view, that a lot of artists don't say the things they really want to say because that's not mm. what's popular and that's not what tends Someone to makes become money. top 40 hits that makes you money. Yeah. Um, so people yeah. kind of, they, they tend to kind of cut off the edges of their art to try to make it more palatable so they can make more money. And in that, in that, I wish less people did that because I, there are, I want the edges. I want, as personally, I like hearing the edges. I like an artist that says something because they had to say it and they don't care if, mm. if it makes no copies sell, they had to get that out. That to me is like the truest, most beautiful human art that ever exists, whether it be a novel, whether it be a song, whether it be a painting, mm. whatever it is. That's the best art usually is that. And when you hear artists talk about when you come across a piece like Hamilton or some masterpiece, uh, talk to the artist and is it, you know, you'll always hear, I just, this is something that sort of chose me. I had, to, I had to do it. Um, it had to come out. And so I would love to see more of that, but at the same time, there's, there's also room in the world for, for plastic fluffy love songs. Well, 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 right. Cause sometimes we feel plastic and fluffy. Well, right? and also, like, sometimes but it's, it's real. also different than just plastic and fluffy. It's, it's they maybe they really see the pain of the world and they need just something fun to sing because there's so much weight in the world. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Who knows where someone else is writing from? Um, as I think about 65 million refugees, it's both staggering and it also 
kind of almost leaves a strangely moot feeling in my emotion because it's just like I don't know how to I don't know how to handle yeah. that. Um, I was curious. Can you take us inside someone's life, like a story you've heard, yeah. um, so that maybe this faraway huge number doesn't feel so like distant and other side of the world? Well, my my mom is actually uh, pretty involved with a family in Tucson. Um, we went through Tucson, and they actually have this whole community there, like this farming community. Like this man donated all this land, and they built like a sustainable um, a sustainable house there where people can come and gather. And then there's this whole uh, farm and land that a lot of the refugees come and farm. My mom told me this story about one of the little girls. Uh, or a, a, two different stories that it's just hard as a Westerner to wrap my mind around. Um, I mean, the little girl, my mom said, well, what would you like for Christmas? And the little girl said, oh, you know, I'd really like a rug. The floor is so cold when I when I get up. It'd be wonderful mm. to have like a rug. I can't imagine my daughter asking for a rug for mm. Christmas. You know, it's just like yeah. this toy and this toy and this other new Disney thing. Um, yeah. Not something just very practical. So here's this little kid asking for a rug for Christmas. And she said, well, how will you buy the rug? And my mom said, well, oh, I have money. I can buy it. And the little girl got tears in her eyes. And she said, no, 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 don't. Oh, no, I didn't know that that's what the question was. I don't want you to buy me anything. That would be a waste of your money. Let's, If you want to spend any money, let's go do something together. Like, that's what I want for Christmas, to be with you. Mm. is what I want mm. for Christmas. It's It was so sweet. And uh, my mom and ended up taping uh, this little girl and her siblings to the movies and they'd never been, they'd never been to a movie theater. And so mm. while everyone else is sitting, sitting there, you know, quietly acting as uh, people normally act in a movie theater, all of them are jumping up and down and singing and dancing and <laughs> just like, I mean, I can't imagine like the first time seeing a movie. Right, you know, so. right. It's the best. There's a rite of passage. I love it. Well, I want us to put kind of a mental bookmark in that image for a moment because we're going to come back to Michael and Lisa in a second and talk more about refugees. But now I want to talk to you about the work of IJM International Justice Mission. IJM presents the new activist and is working around the globe to end slavery. And I realize that like we're making, there's nothing funny about this, but we're making a leap from refugee crisis to slavery around the globe. And we may just have compassion fatigue. But part of what I love about the, the Gungers and what I love about or I think just Gunger is the way they would say it. What I love about Gunger, as well as IJM, is that there are practical next steps for getting involved in gigantic situations that are happening and really helping people to that end. I want to very quickly ask you to go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM, newactivist.is IJM, and fill out the form that you see there. It doesn't cost anything. Nobody's asking you for money. We are truly asking you to use your voice. What happens when you fill out this form is that there will be a letter generated on your behalf that will go to your elected officials and will ask them to help fully fund some incredibly important legislation that will really make a gigantic dent in ending slavery. It's a big deal. And it only takes you people. I used to say 18 seconds. People are telling me it took 10 seconds. So go to new activist is IJM newactivist.is slash IJM and fill out that form. Here is part two 
of the conversation I got to have with Gunger. So it's interesting because there's this right massive political conversation happening in the U.S. and there's two sides of it. There's a strong argument that the U.S. should be open or at least reasonably open right to all who wish to make the U.S. home. Um, I'm assuming that you would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, could you give sort of a, a synopsis of that argument of, of why? I mean, we, I also, also, yeah. And also I just put all kinds of words in your mouth. So correct <laughs> any of that. Well, I, you know, I, I realized that immigration policy is complicated and I, I'm never going to be the person to claim to know the ins and outs of how to, um, what, what are the vetting procedures that should be done exactly? What, how, you know, what this song really was essentially getting at, because when you get into the specifics of policies, um, you know, I think people be, think they're, they're experts too quickly. <laughs> There's, there is complications. Yeah. But there are energies happening politically. Um, and no matter what side of it that you fall on, there can be, you can be a person that's like pro-immigration really as a way of flipping your middle finger to Republicans mm. rather than because your heart is actually with the people that are being displaced. Yeah. So there's a way of, and, and vice versa, there are people that really have their hearts um, engaged and with the refugees and are doing things to help refugees that also believe that there should be, you know, good, strict policies or whatever they think about the immigration policies. I, I, I feel kind of out of my depth in knowing exactly what, how America should should bring in immigrants. Um, I I'm more concerned with the heart of the matter, which is are our hearts turning away from these people, or are they engaging with these people, and are they moving towards these people that are suffering? And I think when our hearts are moving towards them, we'll figure out the policies that make sense. I mean, I'm kind of a person that. Uh, I'm notoriously kind of always call everything a construct and nations and borders are imaginary. So I'm always like, why do we even need them anyway? Um, but, but I recognize, <laughs> I recognize that they do have, they do have, uh, probably a way of, if we just got rid of all of them tomorrow, I'm sure there would be a lot of bloodshed somehow. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, right. I recognize that it's, that it's uh, complicated, but at the same time, I, I do feel like there is a move of fear and there's a move of love. Mm -hmm. And and those have political political ramifications in the way they, they play out. But when you're when you're talking about these here's this group of people that have this horrendous, these sixty-five million people on earth that, that have been displaced from their homes, and do our hearts ache and bleed and move towards them in love, or do they say, well, we, you know, we can't afford and, and, and label them as, you know, we've, we've posted this video and this blog on Facebook and it's already been, most people have been great, but there's a couple of people that are like, well, we're just going to let all these rapists into our country. And it's like, <laughs> look at these, look at the video again. If you watched it at all, yeah. we're not rapists. And you're, there's like, these are kids and families 
and human beings. And it's easier to demonize these people so that you don't have to have your heart ache. I want to ask two questions that I wrestle with and I don't expect you all to have, like, you don't have to have like the definitive answers, but I would just be really curious about this because when I hear about 65 million people and I hear about a kid asking for a rug for Christmas and really the plight of people who are displaced from their homes, I find myself asking two questions. Where is the church in the midst of this? And where is God in the midst of this? And um, like, I'm curious as you have possibly wrestled with that, what, what you've, what has percolated in you? I mean, the way I see the landscape right now, God is the one displaced and the church is the one uh, wow. that's deciding whether to let him in or not. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Can you talk more about that? God, that is such a liturgist answer. I'm like mind blown and I, and I need like just a touch more to hang my hat on. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, it's what Jesus literally said. Like you, you, you want to, when you take care of this stranger, when you let it, when you take care of the person in prison, when the, the person that is displaced from their homes, the widow, the orphan, the, all the people that are on the outs, that's mm-hmm. where Jesus most clearly identified is that's who I am. That's Ooh. where the work of this kingdom that I keep talking about. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you want to be present with God, with me. God made flesh. Look at the poor. Look at the people that are in the most suffering. That's where God is found most clearly. And so, I, you know, God, I heard, man, who was it? It was a Holocaust survivor um, that became a, an author. I can't remember what podcast I heard him on. It's like um, I think it was on NPR somewhere. But he was basically somebody yeah. who was kind of posing that question to him: Where where is God when this kind of stuff happens? These horrible things on earth that happens. And 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 he said that question kind of, in, in his perspective, assumes kind of a, a really anemic version of God and image of God as this sort of puppet master that stands above the universe, apart from the universe and pulls the strings and pulls the levers and either lets this thing happen or doesn't let this thing happen. But the Christian God, you find bleeding on a cross and is present it's this incarnation, it's this incarnate experience, it's this love that we find right in the midst of us. No, no far, you can't be closer to it than you are. And, mm. and seeing God there and not as some like guy up in the sky making things happen, but the love and the, the mystery taking on flesh among us and suffering with us and in us and as us that adds a different dimension to, to, to theology, I think. And that's, but it's very Christian and ironically Christianity often totally misses it. Yeah. What can someone do who's listening to this? Who's like getting off the subway subway and their bell is rung and they have to help refugees. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many organizations out there that who are helping settle people. So like, well, I mean, one is, um, 
Coalition of Love. Uh, this other one that I get my information through is We Welcome Refugees. I mean, I, I don't get yeah. all my information through, but that's how I'm getting set up with um, a place here in L.A. that will like walk us through training on how to uh, connect with a Syrian uh, refugee family. Like We'll help take their kids to school, drive them to get groceries. I mean, just help with the whole process of, uh, of you know, being resettled. So uh, I, I think that that's a really beautiful thing to do. I think it's wonderful to give. It's wonderful to give your money uh, if if you just don't have the time. I mean, I think there's something beautiful about making the time for something like that, just to do to do mm-hmm. something. You know, connect with someone because it's when you really you're seeing the face, and it's not just sending your money off to somewhere and then it doesn't really affect you like a, on a whole lot. Um, so again, I think it's wonderful. It, it's obviously very wonderful. Give your money, give what you can, if you can get connected with a place in your, in your state in your city to, to actually meet the people who are being displaced. I think that will do a lot to your own heart. And call your, call your leaders, your politicians, your Congress people. And also, um, I think, so aside from the social action part, which is important, and we need advocates and people yeah. that get the policies, people that understand laws and, and can, like, you know, think good thought. We need good lawyers and good – everybody that kind of uh, has the right heart for this kind of going into their expertise and, and fighting for the sake of the oppressed. But what all of us can do, no matter where we fall on, on the specifics of our advocacy, is we can either be – an agent of love or fear within the social context that we find ourselves in, both online and in just in our normal relationships. We can be the, either the kind of people that foster fear and scapegoating and turn the conversation to something else. When we, you know, some of the conversation we've seen on online, when we try to talk about some of this stuff is people immediately want to turn it to something else. You know, it, it's like a way of getting away, turning your eyes away from what we're actually talking about. So you don't actually have to feel this. And don't do that. Don't allow yourself to do that. And try when people do that around you to keep bringing it back to love and, and be, be that peace and that love and that, that welcoming of a stranger and of the other presence within your world. And sometimes, you know, if you, don't, if you don't have any physical interactions with if you're living Iowa and don't have any, you haven't met a refugee before or whatever. Um, there's still a way of you being present as you in your world and at your job and at your church and your neighborhood, whatever, that actually leads to the kind of energy and, um, and love that does end up changing, changing things. And, and it's, it gets so frustrating when you get focused too much on the result, it's really easy to just feel like a drop in the ocean because you are. Um, but the ocean's made of drops, you know? So all you can do is what you can do. You can, you can help one person. You can be present in one conversation that was gonna go down a, a fear-mongering and othering conversation about those people, mm-hmm. and this is the problem. And you can bring a little peace into the moment mm-hmm. and be some salt and light in the world. And yeah. if enough of us do that, some real change can actually happen. I love that. He's right. If enough of us do that, 
there can be real change in the world. Lisa and Michael are incredible, and I am grateful that they came and shared both their music and a bit of their story with us today. If you want to hear more from Gunger, you can go to their website, gungermusic.com. That will connect you into all their social media and iTunes, their store. Certainly go and buy their music. They did a really cool project. It was called One Wild Life, which was actually three full-length albums called Soul, Spirit, and Body. All of them are wonderful. Please buy them all and listen to them. You will love them. In addition, their single and the video for that, Who We Are, uh, are available everywhere, and you can catch them on tour. They tour very frequently and are on the Liturgist podcast. All of it, gungermusic.com. Also want to thank The Brilliance Music, which is funny because The Brilliance, one of the people in The Brilliance is David Gunger. He was on season one, and he is also the brother of Michael Gunger. So how about that interesting family? But The Brilliance has generously and kindly allowed us to use their music as the theme music for season two. To hear more from The Brilliance, and you should, go to thebrilliancemusic.com. Just a quick reminder, we are on social media. Both Facebook and Twitter are New Activist Is, one word, New Activist Is. Get it? Like, the New Activist Is You. Anyhow, New Activist Is. Love having conversations and hearing your thoughts throughout the week. Make sure you go there. And also, if you have a moment, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. If you like the show, it helps other people find it. Before we go, IJM, who presents The New Activist, is asking us all, and I have signed the letter myself, is asking all of us to go to newactivistis forward slash IJM, newactivist.is slash IJM and asking us to spend just a few seconds of our life to use our voice and to fill out this letter. Thank you for doing that. I see all the names of people that are doing it and it is really more helpful than you could know. And with that, we go back into the world on behalf of Gunger, the relevant podcast network, as well as my colleagues at IJM. I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. for listening to the new activist podcast if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on itunes and for more relevant podcast network shows check out the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com